Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck sticks? What the fuckadelics? How are you? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. This is my show. I welcome you. Right out of the gate, my guest today, Connor Oberst. Some of you know him as Bright Eyes. Some of you know him from Monsters of Folk or from the Desaparecidos who are reuniting to release their first album 13 years later this year. Desaparecidos. Yeah? How's that for a name? But uh, today he's Connor Oberst on my show. His recent solo album is uh, Upside Down Mountain. We'll talk to him in a minute. So I know most of you know about my tour, but I feel like I should run, uh, I should run it by you. I should run it by you again if you don't. I'm touring. I'm doing a massive tour starting at the end of March, really officially, March 21, 20 and 21 at the um, Rochester, New York, the comedy club. I'm doing four shows to get in gear, to get my brain in the right place. Thursday, April 9th, Warner Theater, Washington, D.C., Friday, April 10th, the Trocadero, Philadelphia, Saturday, April 11th, the Wilbur in Boston, April 16th, the Barrymore Theater, Madison, Wisconsin, April 17th, Carnegie of Homestead Music Hall, Pittsburgh, April 18th, Royal Oak Music Theater, Royal Oak, Michigan. April 19th, Bluma Appel, Toronto, Ontario. April 25th, Fitzgerald in Houston, Texas. Fitzgerald's. April 26th, Southside Music Hall, Dallas, Texas. May 8th, The Neptune in Seattle. May 9th, The Vogue in Vancouver. May 10th, Davies Symphony Hall, San Francisco, California. May 14th, The Orange Peel in Asheville, North Carolina. May 15th, Charleston Music Hall, Charleston, South Carolina. May 16th, Variety Playhouse, Atlanta, Georgia. May 17th, Joy Theater in New Orleans. Tickets are selling fast. So I better pull it together. But I'm, I'm, I've been up against the wall before. This is how I work. Push myself up against the wall. And then I line about nine of me's uh, facing me with guns. And I have a blindfold on. And I say to the nine me's, can, can Wait, please, can you just give me a few minutes? I think I have something to say that will, that, that will save my life. I think I have something to say that will prove that I'm, I'm innocent of being over. And uh, I make my case. And then, like, they let me off. They put their guns down. They say, well, you still got to go before the judge. And that motherfucker, just another me, just sitting up there on high like he knows what's going on. He's a little difficult because he passes judgment in a way that's not definitive. 
It, it's more sort of like, uh, you're not guilty, but you should feel guilty. Hmm. Yeah, all right, great. God damn it, man. Everything's all right, all right? I cooked a real chicken. Don't recommend it. A real chicken, like a real one. Not like one that was in a cage, not that, not a free-range chicken, but like a chicken that was just out in the wild chicken. And you know what? I think if more people ate the real thing, like just the chicken that's out in the world, uh, there'd be, they'd be less people would eat chicken. More people would be vegetarians because it's stringy, it's weird, it's muscly, it's a little bit gamey, and that's like the good stuff. And I was like, can I have my, you know, my sad, fat, caged chicken or mildly free-range chicken that's been fed something to make its uh, thighs and <laughs> breasts too big? But then I felt bad about that, putting that chicken through that. But I'll tell you, the, the out-in-the-wild real chicken, chicken that had a life, a little rough. A little rough to eat. A new uh, a new cat has arrived. Somewhere, I don't know where he came from. There's a couple of new cats around. Deaf black cat, I think, is gone. And uh, I don't know what to do about that. I'm processing. I'm a little sad. But I think he's done. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him around the neighborhood. A new black cat has, has shown up. This cat is a motherfucker. Can I say that? Sorry, kids. This cat... I don't, it's like the it's like the equivalent of a cat pit bull in its intensity. It's got this huge ass head, and it's got this muscular body, and it's got these huge balls, which means like I don't know if it, and it's got a massive scar on the back of its head. This thing is is a it's just a tough fucking looking cat. He's pretty friendly. I think he's somewhat peopled, but I don't know what to do about those balls. I mean, I guess I, he's not coming around every day. I guess I got to get that taken care of because, like, I'm afraid it's going to fuck me. That's how intense this cat is. He's coming over and he's eating and he's, uh, he's, he's just stalking around looking for something to fuck. And that's trouble. Most of the cats around here are fixed. There's another little dude around that looks exactly like a, an older dude I have. I don't know where that guy came from. And they just, I don't know how they make rounds. I need to, I need, I wish I knew how cats live, but this black cat, it is a it is a badass looking cat, and I feel bad because there's part of me knows I got I got got those balls have got to come off, and I don't know if I'm the guy to do it. I don't know what kind of relationship he has elsewhere. Maybe there's a dude I picture maybe a Latino dude down the street that loves this cat that loves its big balls and that it's a badass cat, and then I'm gonna like trap it, get his balls cut off, and he's gonna go back to his buddy, and the guy's gonna be like, "Where are your balls, yo?" And then uh, you know, and then he'll be ostracized for not being as macho as he once was. And then maybe his head will get smaller. And then he'll just be hanging around here wondering what he should do with his life. Like me. Except I'm busy. Very busy. I have a full life. But yet there's part of me that's sort of like, what am I going to do with my life? What is that about? God damn, man. It's fucking crazy. All right, so let's, uh, why don't we... uh, why don't we talk to Connor Oberst now, and perhaps he'll play some music for us as well. I believe he... 
Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Well, come on, man. When you take the stage with big shots, you don't get any moment of insecurity. Oh, I mean, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it's there's it's, it's never easy to be like just chined up. No problem. Yeah, I'm just up here with Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, exactly. I'm just up here with John Prine. Not an issue. I can handle it. <laughs> exactly. I saw you over there at the Greek. You were at the show? I went to the show. Cool. Well, here's the thing is like, you know, I've known about you for a long time. And then like when we had the opportunity to talk, I'm like, well, now I really got to find out about him. Sure. So I had to go. <laughs> I got to go back to when you were a kid. <laughs> so you're you're fortunate in that you're talking to a guy that is very up to speed on uh, on songs. They're very fresh in my head. Some okay. of them for the first time. Okay, cool. Like the Bright Eyes records, I listened to Fevers and Mirrors, Lifted, and Casadega primarily. Okay, and the last two solo albums are they? Is that is that good? Is that a solid foundation? Sure, that's a great starting point. <laughs> <laughs> I asked these two little girls, who I I think that at the time you. Uh, first started doing the bright eyes records must have been the primary support uh-huh of what you were doing yep because these girls were like uh they I, well they must have been like 25 and and they uh one of them had recognized me or something and i was like so do, do you are you big fans They're like oh yeah i mean since since middle school and i'm like mm-hmm. okay what should i listen to they're like oh theft and fevers and mirrors those are the ones nice. those are those must have been the ones that planted the seed man yeah, I would say Fevers was definitely like the first, I don't know, breakthrough, the one that people heard first, I would say. And wait, um, how old were you? I would have been 19. So what is, so when did you start playing? I mean, because you were, you got some notoriety before that album though. Yeah, I mean, I, my first, very first, I guess, quote unquote records, which was really a cassette tape, yeah. I was like 13 years old and, and right, and my our me and my friends had like this little kind of make-believe label and we made our cassettes and <laughs> yeah, yeah. sold them at the local you know the the cool one cool music store in town and 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 how does that uh, how did that become like you know the moment who who found who decided this guy's got something <laughs> well i gotta give credit to a, a a good friend of mine this guy ted stevens who's been in a lot of amazing bands he he had a band called lullaby for the working class like in the 90s that was rad and then uh he he still plays in cursive blah 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 but he was the first one i mean he's probably four or five years older than me when yeah. i was like 13 and he he heard me play a couple songs and then he offered to bring his little task cam four track 
to my parents' house. Yeah, and, man. And recorded recorded my first, you know, record or whatever. So at your parents' house. Yep, yep. yep. Or in the basement? Uh in, in the bedroom? In the attic. In the attic. Yeah. In Nebraska. In Nebraska. What part of Nebraska? Omaha. I have no real point of reference for Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, it's an average, you know, uh, Midwestern kind of town. It's, it's pretty, a, though. It's kind of lush in Nebraska, isn't it? It's, well, so Omaha is on the far eastern side, so it's on the Missouri River. So yeah. the, our downtown butts up against uh, this town called Council Bluffs in Iowa. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of, they join there. And it is pretty. It's like the Missouri River Valley, so there's some hills and stuff. The rest of Nebraska, as you go west towards Denver, of course, becomes, you know, a truly a desert yeah. wasteland zone yeah i think i drove through part of nebraska <clears throat> once i got some friends there was some there was a music scene up there in omaha i think or lincoln right yeah yeah and they're close together like lincoln's the college town and Omaha's like the one real city and they're like you know an hour apart yeah i knew a couple of guys come through there like buck naked was a guy that okay. did you, know, you ever hear them <laughs> they're sort of like a rockabilly outfit and they okay. ended up in the bay area or something like that. I don't think he's around anymore. That's like calling your band free beer or something, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Give you well, it, it was Buck Naked and the Somebodies. <laughs> I, don't, not, I, don't, that, I don't remember what it was. That isn't actually the name. So you started playing guitar when you were what? Mm, like 10, maybe. And do, did your parents give you the guitar? Yeah, my dad was a, my dad is a musician, was a musician. He, I mean, not professionally, but he, um, he had a, like a cover band that would do all the sort of weddings and dances oh, yeah? and stuff so he yeah. was he was the multi-instrumentalist so he did some keys and he did some horn and some guitar and like backup singing and oh he did everything yeah and they had you know they they just played like uh it was like the 80s so they played you know whatever man eater whatever was popular <laughs> at the time and and he would learn the parts and that was i mean that was kind of supplemental income for, what was his regular thing uh mutual of omaha he was a just kind of you know, middle. A dude in the office? Yeah. He worked there for, whoa, like, I don't know, 30 years or something. So Did a lot of people, I guess a lot of people worked there. Was yeah, it a, that's the big one. I mean, there's that. There's like Union Pacific is the other, the railroad is another big one. In Omaha? In Omaha. And then like, uh, like ConAgra, which is like, you know, a huge Monsanto yeah. shitty like food thing. So. Sure. Agribusiness. Exactly. Yeah. Of, yeah. Sure. Just grow that shit. Yeah. As fast as possible. Yeah. And without without bugs, no matter what the cost. Exactly. And then, of course, we got uh, Warren Buffett. Yeah. You know, the other yeah. kind of big. Well, he's trying to be a good guy now. Big, he's throwing some money back. He is. He yeah. is. Yeah. Sometimes they, you know, they get old, they get soft. They no. got a lot of money they don't know what to do with. Totally. Maybe his, it's time to help out. Yeah, yeah. His his daughter, Susie Buffett, is a pretty amazing person. Her, She's like friends with my mom and does all kinds of like great things for people. And what'd your mom do when you're growing up? She worked for the Omaha Public Schools. She was a teacher and then eventually a principal. So it was good. So you had, you, you know, you had a, a father that at least had a dream at some point and yeah. somehow held on to it and there was enough instruments around the house. Totally. I mean, no, they... I they were so supportive and awesome. I mean, they. I had my first band when I was like fourteen or something, and we, we, uh, you know, even signed to like a label in New York, and like, I mean, they were crazy enough to as let, Bright Eyes. No, this was called Commander Venus. This was an even earlier band. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> signed you at fourteen. Yeah, they're they're, like we got these kids in Nebraska. Yeah, it was a cool label actually. This label, they're no longer a label. They're called Grass Records, and they and they did a bunch of cool stuff in the kind of early mid 90s like um the wrens and uh oh yeah bunch of, like a uh, sunbrain and yeah yeah, yeah. bunch of bands so what was that first guitar what was it um nylon i had a i don't know i actually had a uh the uh ovation with the uh curved curve back the, the curved back yeah. because 
my dad had a big beautiful old dreadnought martin uh-huh. that i could when i was first starting to play i would try to play it but my my arm like couldn't, couldn't make get it over. over the top so yeah. I'd be like eh. and so when i when i was when once they realized like okay i was like taking it serious enough and it was like you know whatever christmas whatever and they got me this you know the littlest thinnest one mm-hmm. that i could kind of get my my arm around so and the, what what was in the inspiration initially because i know you get you know they you, you get uh, comparisons hung on you that can't be uh, helpful in any way yeah <laughs> <laughs> The last thing anybody wants to be is uh, compared to Bob Dylan in some ways. I imagine it's flattering, but after a certain point, you're going to be like, oh, boy. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, I think that in, like, music journalist shorthand, that's kind of like, you know, code for they have a lot of words in their songs. Or they, and they write a lot of them. Yeah, and they're, and they're yeah, or it's a weird voice. It's hard to get used to. Prolific. You know? yeah. yeah. And so, but yeah, I mean, there's worse things to be called, I suppose, you know, but it... it it is a bit because when when it's funny when people read something like that about you like in yeah. a magazine they they take the step to think it that you're saying it about yourself yeah well you, you know, know and, it's and, like no no i never said that about myself. right like somebody wrote that and then a thousand other people asked me about it well it's tricky you know? because like you know i was trying to figure out you know what is it about about what i thought about you that didn't necessarily like lock why didn't i lock in earlier it's a tricky thing when you're an earnest cat because you're a pretty earnest dude. You're sure. not a fucking goofball. Sure. You know, and that comes across. I am a goofball, but maybe right. not in the music. Yeah, yeah. But do you, are you aware of that? I mean, I, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I actually think that there's more humor in some of my music than people realize. Than they can hear? But... Because you're too intense? Yeah, maybe. I mean, not so much <laughs> on the early records, but I mean, in later records, I would say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you're aware of that. Sure. Yeah, because, you know, when you're when you're young and you're prolific and, you know, it means something to you, uh, you know, that's just a moving target for bullies and people that aren't making it and critics. And, sure. You know, and I, and I, was, I mean, our stuff was, I think, when or there was a slight reaction to when I first started going to shows at like the little one little punk club or whatever in town and there was that whole kind of 90s wave of like super slacker yeah like everything you know it's kind of getting back to that but everything had to be ironic and everything had to be kind of like I don't really no effort yeah I don't really play guitar I don't really do this right I just do this because it well I'm serving coffee or whatever right and to me I always felt like if you're once I decided I wanted to do this for my life and I was really going to do it. When then, was that? I mean... 14? Pro- maybe not quite. I mean, I was... Yes, I always wanted to do it from when I started. I did. I always assumed eventually I would have to do something else because it might not work out like, right. financially or whatever. But um, I guess I always felt like if you're going to take it... If you're going to do it, like there's nothing wrong with taking it seriously and like trying your, your best. And Sure. You know. So... If if you're 14, what was the process of writing for you then, and, and what were you trying to do? I mean, what were you listening to that made you go, "Holy shit, there, there's power in that." Yeah, it was definitely it was it was actually a local thing because um, there was this one great record store called the Antiquarium, which sadly it no longer exists but that was where we would all go and who's we hang, uh, like my brothers and our friends how many brothers you got two older brothers oh so you had the yeah. gift of the older brother yep 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 oh man that's helpful when you want to learn about music oh absolutely <laughs> yeah and, and then like and then you know kind of their groups of friends would let me tag along and, and the stuff. dude at the store I bet yeah 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 so there was some, yeah there was a certain novelty to the fact that I wrote songs right. and I came in there and I was really you know really little or whatever so they let let me kind of bum around and there was a 
there's he still makes amazing records. I always try to talk about him because he's who's sort this? Of a, a hidden treasure. But his name is Simon Joiner, uh-huh. and he's a amazing. I mean, he's probably made like 20. he worked at the record store. No, he was a songwriter in town. Okay, and uh, big early influence on me still to this day. I love. I always wait. He puts out a record probably once a year. You know, he's, one he's of still his, local. Yep, yep. And uh, have you taken him out with you? Yeah. Yeah, several times, and uh-huh. uh, he's got a—I mean—he's got like a cult following, kind of all over the world. Very famously, once uh, John Peel, the famous you know yeah. DJ, played like one of his albums start to finish, which I guess he had never or he'd only done a couple times in like the history of his show or whatever. But anyway, he was a local guy that really meant a lot to me, and I sort of tried to model Emulate. myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what was it about him though? What was the uh, you know? There's something about those local guys. Where you like, there's that, there's the excitement of like, you know, no one knows about this guy. And he's like the best. I and mean, then, to us, it was kind of the opposite. It was like, he's the biggest. He's oh, the, really? Yeah. I mean, to, in like, in my, you know. Oh, so I, now it's changed. As you get yeah. older, you're like, wow, no one. Right. Yeah, I yeah. know. And, it, <laughs> and, and truly, he got me to, you know, he got me to probably those other songwriters like Towns Van Zant, like Dylan, like, you know, Prine, like whatever just all those kind of true sort of what was his what were his themes what was his style what would you compare it to i would say it's you know it's definitely folk based um his first his early records were just guitar and voice and then since then he's made a lot of records with bands and folk is tricky isn't it Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's because would you consider yourself a folk musician from the start because those bright eyes records aren't really folk records i mean i i actually i actually would in the sense of like when I think of my songs there's there the song itself is hopefully sturdy enough to exist apart from whatever arrangement or whatever production you put onto it that's right and so you want you know for me it's like the song is the obviously the vocal melody the chord progression and and the lyrics and I think if it's if a song is you know worth its salt you should be able to play it just on a guitar or on a piano and it should still make sense you know you can, you can overproduce it and you put know, some drums on there and we've, <laughs> and we've done a lot of that you know but yeah i always think of it as kind of like you know once the song exists it's it, you're it's like standing like naked in front of some kind of giant walk-in closet and there's like a million outfits you could well, dress it up in well i think that's true i think and, that's what's interesting about you know even watching you the other night that you know the choice for whatever this tour was, was yeah, it, it struck me, you know, once it really got going and w- on some of the faster tunes that, you know, it's a country band, really. Yeah, I mean, we had the pedal steel and <laughs> yeah. everything going, yeah. I mean, you know, you had the whole thing and there was that, that kind of romping one, four, five thing sure. that is sort of like, that's like honky-tonk music. Yeah, yeah. So the choice was, but then I realized, like, as a singer-songwriter, it's it's an interesting place to be because that is for and for that's foremost what you do and then you're sort of like well what what's gonna what are we gonna do with it yeah and it's really up to you and it seems like you've chosen a lot of different things yeah I, I you know I, I, it's I, hard I, to pigeonhole you I will I mean yeah I think that for me a big part of keeping the excitement and making records is you know collaborating with different people and trying you know just experimenting within you know I think it has to make sense like it's sometimes like just experimenting to make something weird isn't that interesting to me but if you can experiment and make it cool and different but still keep the essence of of the song and like well it was sort of like i like that about the bright eyes records is that you know there are these interludes of uh conversation or phone messages or yeah, things yeah. And, but i always like it i know i don't know if it was calculated but i was listening to it the day before yesterday one of the early records where i'm like there's always a chick around 
There's always a chick around, like, either, like, talking or laughing. But it just seems like there's at least one or two girls hanging around the band. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of girls in the band over the years. Yeah, so. there's vocals on yeah. some of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we've been blessed to know a lot of pretty badass female musicians. So when did the struggle begin with whatever the hell it is that you were trying to solve <laughs> with your words? Because... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Uh, what I mean? um, yeah, I mean, I think it's still it's still happening. Because, you know? like, I was I you know, I listen to the words, and I'm not a big lyrics guy. It's weird. I I don't know why. I'm a melody guy, and I'm really that's a uh, it surprised me just because because I'm a wordy guy. Yeah, I'm a thinky guy. Yeah. Well, but the primary problem is if I can't understand them pretty easily, and I got to go back over and over again. Like, like I've been recently trying to write some stuff. Uh -huh. but, yeah, I've written poetry and I've written a book and I've done that. Yeah. But songwriting is a whole other animal, you know. And and there's some part of my brain after you know 25 years as a comic and as a, and doing this, I'm sort of like, no, I think I want to write some songs. So I, I was listening yeah. to, to what songcraft really is. But uh, but I, it has to be I, they have to be upfront for me to to lock in. Gotcha. Like I got to be able to hear it. If it's a problem, like I never understood why so many records are mixed. So they're like, why can't you understand the vocals? Well, it's most of the time that's because I think people are insecure about their lyrics. Yeah. You know? So that's a, I mean that's kind of another sort of thing in like whatever modern bloggy fucking music that that's annoying to me sometimes where it's just like there's so much of that reverb and drenched on the voice right and I get it like the shoegazing whatever but it's like to me it's like the sign of kind of a self-conscious right. singer that doesn't want to be doesn't want to have anyone have a chance to critique what they're saying or their idea I mean I've always been attracted to songs that you, you yeah you can maybe walk away with and, and still latch onto the melody but you can also walk away with like ideas you know, like sure. it's provocative. Like, yeah, like yeah. a Leonard Cohen song, or well, you know, right. Paul Simon song, or something. You walk away and you're like, whoa! Like you're thinking, you're like thinking now about right about things. You there's know, there's room in between. There's a, the, well, Leonard more than than Paul. There, there's it's sparse, so you know it's going to yeah. provoke whatever it's going to provoke. Yeah, and and but a lot of you do a lot of very good turn turn of phrases, and you know, and and it seems like from early on that your sense of uh, of emotion and uh, and relationship and uh, spiritual struggle was was fairly strong early on is that something you gleaned from listening to uh to to other people or was that like here's what I get, i'm getting at is that you know when i write a, a poem or you work a piece of music mm. something that that has structure like that it becomes almost like an equation uh, an emotional equation so like i guess my my question is did you reveal yourself to yourself as you wrote or were you like, I feel this way and I'm going to, you know? I think it was probably more the revealing as I went along or not. No, I mean, clearly not right. knowing what I was doing. So the words were a surprise. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they spilled out in very sloppy ways for a long time. And I think just through trial and error of having written, you know, hun hundreds of songs at this point. I have decided things that I like and I've got to the point where I'm better at going back and, uh, you know, revising. And a lot of times nowadays I'll write us, I'll, I'll have us, you know, I'll write 10 verses to a song and then the three that I like the most make it into the actual song. Where right. When I was younger, it would be like, it's done. And do, do all 10, man. Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Just that tape doesn't cost much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they make those like ninety minute yeah, man. jobs. That man. can be two songs on there, you know. <laughs> Let's just open it up. But uh but in terms of like, you know, 
heartbreak and and dealing with you know fragile people and dealing with the with that the sort of like i noticed there's a few songs about you know what seemed to me to be you know relationships with with people that that are you know maybe nuts yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) stuff we all deal with sure sure but do you remember what was the first song you wrote about well um was it an experiment or were you trying just you have an urgency to uh to certainly who you were when you were younger and i still saw it a bit uh on stage the other night there's a there's a a bit of a a rage there sure yeah i mean i think um i think the early the very very early songs surprisingly aren't it's not that different from the way it is now which is you have these little observations that you pick up throughout your daily life yeah whether it's a conversation with someone or maybe something you see on tv or read in the paper or whatever just these little sort of things that you pick up and notice and then for me they kind of collect in the back of my mind and sort of my subconscious and then you know the i think that the miracle or whatever of creativity is the way that those things all blend together and then come out in the in these songs that I don't, I still can't like sit down and write a song. You know, if you were to like write me a song in half hour or something, I could probably make a song, but it would be not good, you know? Right. And so, so much of it is waiting for that special kind of inspiration that comes. So just couplets sometimes even. Yeah. You you got a notebook with you and you just chase them down as they hit you. Yeah. And it's like some, yeah, or just some image that like sticks in my mind. You know, I always feel like the, a lot of times I'll I'll sing a song to myself or I'll have an idea for a song and then I won't I won't get to the tape recorder I won't get to the guitar and then the next by the next day it's gone you know oh, one of those like, the worst one of those I couldn't find a pen damn and, it you know yeah but I've kind of come to terms with that in the sense of like I feel like well maybe those are the ones that weren't meant to be because I find that the the ones that stick with me that I actually can't shake and those ideas I can't shake are the ones that make for better. Right, so you you can actually build out from an image, like you know, like you, you know, if you have a moment where you're like, "Holy shit!" Like a little piece yeah. of you know, fragment of poetry, yeah. yeah, or just something I saw. Like one, I wrote a song um, one time after I had gone to uh, the uh, the pharmacy slash liquor store, which right. I love how they're the same yeah. thing. Yeah, and uh, you know, I was like going like with you know my girlfriend at the time, or whatever, and like going in to like get our vodka or whatever yeah and there was those you know those the drive-through lines where people get their medicine yeah out of the window and i was i i, I looked over into the window and i was like what's that's so weird that's there's, there's a little there's an old old man look how tiny that old man is yeah and and he just looks so strange to me yeah. like he must be you know i don't know he looked like an old a little old man yeah and then we came back out and i saw him again like that's a little kid. Oh yeah. That's like a little kid with like a disease. Cancer. Yeah, like that's yeah. like a different and, thing yeah. than when I first, you right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And like that was a thing where I just couldn't shake that experience, you know, and that I didn't go home and directly like write about it, but that was one of those things that stayed in there and then eventually like What did it become? Is it's called Danny Callahan. It's on oh, yeah. my records, but yeah. yeah. I listen to that song. Yeah, I mean it's just kind of in one of the verses of it, but yeah. as a example of something that just sort of like you see for a split second, but then it well, it's interesting because you know. like watching you in Prime and, you know, and thinking about like even towns that, you know, there are dudes that, that do thinky stuff and then there are dudes that tell stories mm-hmm. and, and, you know, like a folk guy is going to do a little of both, 
but like I noticed that you know you, you're I think you lean towards the thinky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> could be, could be, yeah. You know what I mean? Because like even the in in the on the new record, the song about the kid, you know mm-hmm. that that growing up song that that's oh, right. sort of sweet song. Sure, that seemed like uh like almost like an, an exercise mm-hmm. in that type of writing for you. Yeah, that's that's definitely more of what's that song an anom- called? Uh, you are your mother's child. Yeah. That was an anomaly. I mean, that one's one I wrote originally for a movie uh-huh. that was about, you know, kind of a father and his right. messed up relationship with his kids. Right. So I was trying to write a song from the perspective of this father that's essentially saying, you know, up, singing about his son and obviously in a loving way, but sort of saying the reason you're so good and the reason is that you are, your, you know, you are your mother's child. Right. Like, Not you, me, man. Exactly. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of like the little twist at the end where it's like, Right, you see that this is a guy that maybe hasn't been the best father, but right. he still has a lot of love, you know, for his, sure. for his kid. So that was a, actually an assignment, almost. It was kind of project. Yeah, yeah, I would say that one. You like that song? I mean, that was one that I I had. Uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to put it on the record because it's definitely more on the sentimental tip, and uh-huh. it's, yeah, it's a bit of an outlier. Yeah. Um, but I do like it. I mean, I think it. At, at the end of the day, I was like, it. You know, I think it's, it's good for what it is. I don't sure, know. You know sure. Sure. Yeah. A, yeah. It's install, it's, you know. It's well, I mean, of, if you churn out as many songs as you do, just sort of innately, I, I don't. I, I. How do you know when you? Which ones do you love and why? <laughs> um, like, if you look back, and I mean, I don't. Spend a lot. I mean, uh, well, sometimes you play them. I do play them. Um, I mean, if I was to pick, like, okay, one of my favorite songs that I've written is a song called uh, Cape Canaveral. Yeah, I like that song. Yeah, yeah, that's one that I. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of picking at random, but that's uh-huh. one that I I feel very good about the words and the oh way yeah it came together yeah and uh, the sort of elements in the chorus and you know the, yeah. the span of uh of the lyrics yeah i like it that yeah it's you know it's impressionistic for sure and it's sort of yeah it's meant to kind of i don't know fly, fly by in a way that's not completely like linear but yeah. I, I like that so like you seem to wrestle with uh there there seems to be points of contention with you you know not just politically but with um with religion and with uh, the you know the idea of uh, of of religion that you know you, like I, I it seems like a lot of the songs all throughout your career are sort of trying to find that space if that space exists. There's a lot of equations that you set up poetically that end in the present, uh-huh. like you know like we got this, we got this, but the now is where we're at. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> probably true. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I mean, yeah, I went to. Uh, grew up Catholic school and all that. Did you grow up believing it? I mean, again, my parents were always pretty cool. So I remember the first time I could really make an argument beyond like, I want to sleep in Yeah, on Sunday or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Then my mom was pretty cool to let me. I mean, I remember like you, I don't, I don't know how you grew up, but in Catholicism. Very, very, very easygoing Jew is okay. what, uh, how I was brought up. Well, because Catholicism, there's like this thing called confirmation, which yeah, you, when I you're get, like, yeah. so you're like you're 12 or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I guess it's like bar mitzvah sure, type vibe. I get it, yeah. And uh, so I remember in, the, I think you're in sixth grade or seventh grade or something, you're pretty young still. Mm-hmm. And, but it's the idea of the sacrament or whatever is that you, uh, you are now an adult 
in the eyes of the faith and you're taking it on as your own mm-hmm. and i remember like being saying to my mom like you i don't believe in this i don't want to do this and she was like well you're doing it for your grandmother yeah so you'll get your clothes on. <laughs> do it for grandma yeah, you know, yeah, so yeah. I was in, and, yeah. I, and that was it yeah so <laughs> and that was the end of it yeah but where do you stand now because like i like because there like i said there is an urgency towards the idea of sort of i don't know if it's figuring it out but you you know wherever your emotions are going within a lot of your songs there seems to be some you know need for something beyond the song you know where do you land with that as far as like spirituality like sure continue. and you know i mean you talk about fate there's a song that you yeah. did the other night that 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 taught you i think you introduced it yeah uh questioning the idea of fate I, yeah i think it's still something i i think about you know i think that's just a big part of the human condition i mean i'm definitely i think that organized religion has reaped all manners of evil sure. upon this world and sure. i wish in a lot of ways that it would it wouldn't exist i mean i think spirits, it's also given a lot of people a place to go on sunday yeah, and, that, and that's true <laughs> yeah no that's yeah. true you know you know i yeah and it would you know it's whatever works right. for everybody you know i'm not no I'm, no i i mean i get yeah. your drift yeah but like you know where did you ever like because i i noticed like there's something also i noticed that when i was thinking about even the career of dylan and in the, in your two solo records that's where i sort of realized that you know the songwriter is going to be the songwriter first and foremost and then you just got to figure out you know how mature you want that music to be behind you in the mm-hmm. sense that you know how is it going to fit where i'm at in my life now sure even your old songs you know yeah. you're choosing this band they're a solid ass band you yeah. know and then you choose songs that you're going to play just you know on the guitar yep and uh you know but they're like you know dylan would sort of publicly and I think uh, who else? Well, not Towns. He didn't last long enough. But mm. you know, Leonard Cohen has sort of evolved into to a bit of a Buddha of sorts. Yeah. And and you know, there is something as you get older that you know you you start to you know uh, either get comfortable with or not. Mm-hmm. You know, where have you landed with that stuff on a day to day basis and keeping your shit together? Um, <laughs> or you don't think about it. I try not to think about it too much. I mean, I, I guess I'm like you know a humanist. I think that like yeah. you get what you give kind of thing and. And the more love and and uh, positivity that you can promote just in your own life amongst your own friends and family and in and if you can strangers you mm-hmm. know the more that you can give that positive energy I think it it is returned you know I don't know that's kind of a maybe a hallmark way to look at it but well I, I mean I do, do you still that. feel like do you struggle with um, depression or anything? Yeah, I mean, but doesn't everybody? To a degree. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, because I, I just know that, like, who was I talking to? Maybe it was Maynard from Tool or something. Or He said that if you don't believe in magic a little bit, it's hard to be creative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I still think the the wonder and the mystery of things is, is you know, one thing that keeps me going. Like mm-hmm. the idea of not... You know, if someone was like, what are you? Are you a, an atheist or agnostic or what? You know, I, would, I wouldn't I would really want any of those labels, but I guess I would say I'm agnostic if, in the sense of I do think there's things yeah. beyond the human scope that we just don't know. Yeah. And yeah. that... Thank God. Yeah. There, thank and, whoever. And yeah. And yeah. it's... It, I don't know about, you know, an eternal soul or life after death or right. all that shit, but like, I do think we are part of an energy, a greater energy beyond ourselves. Yeah. And that um, there is, 
there is a way to live. There is a there is a better way to live than other ways. You know, I not sure. like an, you know I'm not. Have you made some mistakes? Sure, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, but you know, try to learn from them and try. Yeah, to well, that's where the songs come from. They yeah. got to come from that after a while. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. So when you think back on uh, you know the guys that you, you know have that you like to listen to. Like Towns, let's start with him. You know, what was it that you that impressed you about him outside of like this profound heavy heartedness that's almost hard to listen to? Yeah, I mean, it is some of the saddest music oh my ever God. made. But I just, I guess, just the way it makes me feel yeah. in my heart. Which song you know? get, gets you? Um, well, I would say um, there's so many, but. Yeah. Uh, you know that song, uh, uh, Miss Carousel, Fairly Well, Miss Carousel. It's on the it's on the first uh-huh. one. That's a, one of my favorite bangers. But um, I mean, even a song as famous as it is, but Poncho and Lefty, you listen oh, yeah. to that song, and it's, yeah. I mean, it's like those are those songs that come from some other world. You know, like right. Mr. Tambourine Man or something. You know, there's these songs that like where that come from? where it's just like this. Yeah, it's like there's I don't know. I mean, it's, it's easy to be like it's some divine channeling of whatever, and I don't know that that's true, but I do know that some people are able to touch these things these 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 these, these jewels these like yeah well they come just like you said they yeah. they come you know watching tv yeah like i think that like you know like a lyric unlike anything else it's just sort of like you can really start with a line and not even know why yeah totally it's, well towns you know claims he like dreamt that song and he didn't right. know what it, he said he didn't know what it's about but it's like yeah why I mean, not why not yeah. tap that shit yeah Totally. I mean, have you ever have you ever have you ever written stuff from dream? I had I I did have one song. I mean, I've dreamt music, but as yeah. far as like one that actually was like I could remember and make into a song, um, is a song of mine called Lime Tree. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my song or in my dream, my a friend of mine who is not a uh, not a singer at all has never sang. I never heard him sing, and he was in my dream, and he was singing this song. And he had the most beautiful, high, like angelic voice. Yeah. And he sang like the whole like verse and chorus like in my dream. Yeah. And I woke up and I was on the I was on the bus. I was on in the tour bus and I like, popped up in my bunk and was like, what? and got I got out and I got my guitar. <laughs> yeah. And I sat in the back lounge and like wrote it pretty much start to finish like with the lyrics that he yeah. sang. Get out. Yeah. That so that did, was the closest I've gotten to something like did that. Did you tell him about it? Oh yeah. Yeah. What did he, <laughs> he say? He was stoked. <laughs> <laughs> was this a childhood friend or not a music guy? Uh, uh, it is a music guy. It's, uh, this guy named Nick White who yeah. he plays in bands, but he's just uh, uh, like a piano player. And uh-huh. stuff, so I had never heard him sing. Oh my god, yeah. that's hilarious! And what about like when you listen to Dylan? You know, like what which song kills you? Like, because I know like a couple of Dylan songs that kill me. Like the visions of Joanna is like what the fuck? Yeah, like there and it's all right, Ma. Those oh, two yeah. songs, like I'm like all the answers are in those two. Totally. There's, <laughs> yeah, it's all right, Ma. Is the one I think. Uh, you ever see that uh, that uh, Ed Bradley interview he did, like sixty minutes, like a Dylan interview he did, kind oh, of okay. late. Like this is like n- yeah. in sort of recent history. I mean, I guess maybe ten years ago or something. He's hard to talk to. But yeah, and then he starts. I did see that actually. But he, he's it's a incredible incredible interview. But he starts uh, quoting that that song, and he's like he's like like you try to do that. Yeah, he's like that's. 
It's like that's magic. That's not a not Sigfroid and Lloyd magic. That's a that's real magic. You know. That's what Dylan said. It, yeah, it's like something like only to... only something he could say. But he was like, "You try to do that." <laughs> yeah. Well, I think he sort of like I, I think he eventually <laughs> became kind of rightfully you, you know defending like you know I don't know where this comes from. Yeah. But I'm the guy that's delivering it. Yeah. Yeah. And and he also he also says in that some in that interview about how he's like I I can't I can't do that anymore. Yeah, He's like I can do other things, but I can't he, do that anymore. He got more sparse, yeah, as he got older. Yeah. You know, like some of that later stuff was pretty good. I mean, I still think uh, "Time Out of Mind" is like one of his best albums. It's great like, record. Yeah, it's, the production on thing is trippy, man. You yeah. feel like you're you're you feel like you're in the like some sort of tunnel. Yeah, that you know they you know that the lights dimming at the end of like that was the first time you realize like no nah, Dylan knows it's, he's yeah. running out of time, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's there's a beautiful like swampy heaviness to that record that's in like all the because i think that's a lenoir one yeah yeah so yeah there's all like the yeah those reverbs and stuff just really take you into uh a different world you know it's, what music did you grow up with primarily like what was your old man into outside of <sighs> practice and his cover tunes <laughs> i mean they were like you know fleetwood max oh, steely yeah. dan um you know mm -hmm. joni mitchell jackson brown you know yeah some to a certain degree like definitely neil to a certain degree Dylan and stuff and like I was, Neil Elvis Custa definitely Neil for sure oh and Paul Simon Simon Paul Simon's like those Paul Simon solo records even that first one it's like one of my favorites it was right the hood on, the, the hood greatest on. record man Dude, I know that, was, that song Duncan oh, kills me yeah that whole album is like beautiful it's crazy yeah, like yeah. Yeah, my parents used to play that on the a-track when we were kids yeah so like it was plowed into my head yeah but a piece like a river oh yeah what the fuck oh Long past the midnight curfew, we sat starry-eyed. Yeah. Yeah. So sweet. Yeah. Like, I, like something about that song, Duncan, about that guy getting laid. Yeah, getting into the tent with like the hippie right. girl. Yeah, and, like I was like like uh, literally in the back of a station wagon as a kid uh, going like, I know what's happening. Yeah. It was like a turn on. Yeah. God yeah, there's damn. a lot of great ones. But you seem to have some like other influences that, that kind of ring throughout the music all the way, like I mean, a little rap, a little punk somewhere. Absolutely. We... I mean the the stuff like I was saying from that record store in this this place in mm -hmm. town that was like the you know it's little like hole in the wall punk rock club. Right. We saw a lot of I guess what you'd call punk or hardcore or indie rock, whatever the hell they called it at that time. But um, there was definitely a lot of that and like you know deep love for like replacements and you know that kind of stuff. So sure, man. Yeah. But you like you do, um, but you, it doesn't seem like in listening that like I noticed any real attempt at at a pop hook per se. <laughs> but it didn't seem to concern you that much early on. No, I wrote for a long time. I none of my songs had any words that repeated, so every chorus would be different right. words, and that was intentional. Kind of, yeah. or maybe one line would repeat, but for the most part, I I was I was trying to yeah use every last bit of real estate for more words you know yeah and so i didn't it was a long time before i sort of realized there's something nice about going back to a refrain right you know? yeah there's something nice about repeating some words sure um gives the people a chance to sing along yeah uh, <laughs> give the people a chance to sing along yeah and they, a folk musician exactly and they can feel <laughs> and it can feel really good to get yeah. back to that spot it, you know but i also i also get bored with like 
you know, obviously on top 40 radio and stuff where there'll be, where it, there'll be a, this they, line, you know, the two, two lines of a verse and then you're back to yeah. the chorus and then like yeah. now we're back to like the fifth chorus and it's yeah. the same words and yeah. repetition and Hypnosis. Now, and now they, yeah. And now they're, now it's like, they didn't even sing it five times. They sang yeah. it once and then they it's put it all, it, put it all in there so, bro, cut and paste and it just sucks, you know? And it's it like, does suck. And it's hard to like, uh. How it's hard to relate to that stuff. And I think it is, I mean, there is like a human psychological condition about, uh, you know, familiarity is equated to enjoyment, mm-hmm. like in the human mind. You sure, know, if you sure. repeat things. It's it comforting. Just, yeah. Yeah. And so that's the, Oh, there it is again. And that's the yeah. way, I mean, that's the way all, all, you know, commercial radio works is sure. they play, you know, they, now they play the same whatever it is 16 right. songs however many times a day i don't even know what it is anymore and so it couldn't even it could matter less what the song sounds like because for people that listen to like terrestrial radio they're yeah. they're gonna hear this same sure cut that many yeah. times to yeah the, to the point where it's just like i like i must like this yeah yeah because i know it <laughs> yeah they keep like playing a, it yeah and it's like a nice comfortable yeah. shoe but then people must like it yeah i must not be alone yeah they keep playing it totally it's weird that i've had some experiences listening to classic rock radio uh in in recent times because i got in the vinyl again where where i'm completely surprised at how many of of some artists songs i know and just how fucking much better they are than i ever thought yeah like like you ever do you ever have that moment with credence where you're like what the fuck yeah, I mean they have amazing, <laughs> and that guy meant it, man. He oh, sang his balls off, yeah. and like some of that stuff is like raw, dude. Oh, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who who do you who do you like like to hear when it pops up on the radio? You know, uh, um, Are you a Petty guy. Oh, I love Petty. Right? Oh, it's love. Did you ever play with him? Love Petty. I have, and I've I I know uh, I know Ben Ma a little Sweet bit. Sweet guy. I had Sweet him in here. Yeah, and I've I've been able to see some great Petty shows, but uh, but. No, I don't. I haven't never met Tom himself. So, uh, but you did play with Bruce. I play with Bruce, who's an amazing, gracious, awesome person, and, and, and he's an interesting guy. Like, for, yeah. I would imagine for someone like you, who was sort of like, kind of like, had to come around full circle to 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 sort of see himself as a folk musician, because like, I think he he likes that. Like, yeah. he, like as he got older, and he did. The, I mean, he had the new he had the new Dylan thing thrown on him, you know. At right, first, but he was and, coming from such a tradition of yeah. like you know, like East Coast R and B, and totally and that just, soul. That, that for like, Greetings from Asbury Park, which I yeah. love, is like it's like a soul record. It's almost, almost. like a Van yeah. Morrison record. Yeah, totally. it's, it sounds like a fucking Van Morrison record. Yeah, it's that 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 you know that song for you. There's a song called For You. Yeah, on yeah. for you, for you, I came for you. But you did not need my urgency. That sounds. That's a banger. <laughs> you did not yeah. need my urgency. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, th- those are like yeah. You got a lot of lines like that with these yeah. like just these little lines. You're like, oh, jeez, yeah. that must have hurt that guy. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun when you can. When I like writers that don't always, they don't always kind of telegraph their punches. You know, yeah, yeah, they'll yeah. be like they they kind of yeah, got under, you. Yeah, yeah, and then like. Yeah, that, yeah, and yeah. This one comes like the, subtle. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then that one comes out of the blue and just like hits. right. And sometimes it's not like uh, it's 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 just the it's just the precision of it. Yeah, it's not may not be an elaborate word, but the emotion is. Yeah, like, it's Whoa. like it's like boxing, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah gotta, that's what it is. Yeah, turning the phrase. Yeah, that's like boxing. Yeah, was was a lot of your compulsive, it seems, songwriting when you were younger, to sort of, you know. St- kind of manage anger manage darkness manage frustration i guess so i mean i i always i always felt and still feel that to me um 
a lot of my day to day, I feel like I have a pretty, pretty scatterbrained, you know, like yeah. I, I'm not like a, I'm not like an airhead, but I, I definitely, my mind wanders a lot and yeah. I'm prone to daydreams and right. maybe not paying attention all the time. Yeah. And so writing is a form of, for me to kind of get to some clarity, you know, and if I yeah. can, if I can put it down and it makes sense to me, it doesn't have to make sense to anyone else, but if it makes sense to me, it makes me feel a little more you know attached yeah. to this this reality sure then i hands on yeah then i f- then it's a it's a it's a force of good for, for myself you know You're so not I, drifting off yeah in yeah. the head yeah yeah exactly yeah. i know that one where you're like, oh, I haven't talked to anybody in a day or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yeah. okay. That's the scary part. Yeah. I'm okay not talking. Yeah. But is your your brothers in the music racket too? Um, nope. My, bro- my brothers are not in, they no. don't play. Yeah, they don't, they're not in the music business. My, 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 my one brother, Justin, helped start the label very, very early on. Uh-huh. But after that, he, um, you know, went on to like, law school and oh yeah yeah he lives in dc and does like uh is he lawyer, a good guy or a bad guy <laughs> <laughs> no he works for a uh he works for a uh like environmental consulting law thing which sounds like a good thing but uh, yeah but i think sometimes they trying to bend the rules saying there's some of that yeah i mean he's a very good person but he i yeah. think his job and then you know, the nature of the beast out there is sure. pretty pretty crazy and so. what what's the other brother doing? And the other brother is a uh, teacher all right yeah and your folks Fun. go around yep they have now moved to the east coast to be closer to the grandkids grandkids yeah and uh actually one of the things i feel a best or one of the I guess an, an accomplishment I suppose I feel good about is I was able to my dad from because I always had stuff going on like taxes and record contracts and stuff I didn't understand when I was young and he uh, he would just do all that stuff for me because he don't want me to end up you know in jail for like tax yeah. evasion so he right. would help me and did that for years and years while he worked at Mutual of Omaha yeah. and then one day I got to the point where my other like manager manager was like, okay, now you need to get a business manager. It's just, you have to, this, right. this is, stupid. I know I just hit that myself. Yeah. yeah it's sort like, of, it's hard. It's getting stupid to yeah. not have one. And, and I just asked my dad to do it. I was like, dad, <laughs> God will, you, will you quit your job and I'll pay you a salary and you can do all this stuff that you're already doing for me, but you won't have to go up into the Indian in the sky building anymore and yeah. be up there in that weird cubicle. Like, and he took, it, took the gig? He did it. So, <laughs> dad's on the payroll. Yeah. That's good, man. And, he's all, and it's awesome, you know, because it's, you know, there's you don't a, have to worry about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's your dad. Totally. And, and you get along with him. And he, yeah. And he's like the most, uh, you know, pragmatist, like Midwestern, like solid dude. So, like, I'm always like, why shouldn't we be able to, like, get around some of this, like, yeah, tax stuff. He's like, well, yeah. sorry, not Got to got pay the government. Yeah, got to so. do your part. It's your civic duty. Well, it's interesting when you start making money. You know where you know how, where your politics end up. That's where that's where that's where people change. You know. No. Yeah. Uh, you know that's where idealism. Uh, idealism. You know, dies at the tax man. That's true. I I can remember um, getting my first like advance for uh, like a publishing deal when I was like probably like nineteen or something and. 
I don't know what it was. It was like fifty thousand dollars or something, and I thought I was the richest person that had like ever lived. Yeah, I yeah, was, yeah. I was like, oh, God, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Well, you get about twenty of that. Yeah, exactly. And then <laughs> I remember that being explained to me. I'm like, well, actually, yeah, yeah. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. And I'd be, it'd be one thing if it was like, oh, we all had beautiful public schools and like, sure. you know, yeah. swimming pools and yeah. uh, whatever for like everyone to use yeah. and like roads that worked and right. public transportation. But that's not the case. Hard exactly. to track that money. I know. That you didn't get. Right. Yeah. And that's when it, and that's when, yeah, it be, does, does become political pretty fast because you're like, what the hell? Like what, that's, you know let's do something with all that besides like build bombs to like you know Mm -hmm. whatever yeah well I mean but I think that's interesting it's not whatever it's interesting to me that that other band that you have your your rock band Mm -hmm. what's that called again Desiparacitos yeah we've only made one record and it was back in like 2001 Uh or two and uh and but we're about to make a new a new one. What's going to happen? It's going to happen next year. So. Now, what do you see that project as? What do you, what can you do with them that you can't do on your own? Well, it's a band. It's a real band in the sense of it's the same five guys. Yeah, and it's everyone has their role, and we write those songs. We write all together, like uh-huh. in the band room. You know, the other guitar player is you know kind of more of a riff based guitar player so he comes up with these cool right rock riffs and then we all start playing loud and I start screaming nonsense and then eventually like I write words to uh-huh. match the the melody but um so yeah it's it's I guess it's more of you know being together and all of our ideas you know combining to make that band what it is but it is very uh all the songs are very you know topical and I wouldn't say they're all political but they're all Topical. Well, the weird thing is about you know, folk music and the sort of populist responsibility mm-hmm. of you know what was the you know certainly the the Woody Guthrie side of the folk movement. Sure, it kind of it kind of hangs on it kind of leans on you guys a little bit. Like at some point you get to you got you're going to hit that juncture where you're like, I better say something for the people, yeah, to the people, yeah. A, like there's a social responsibility to folk in a way. Yeah. Well, I, back in. Um, you know, 2004 or five, I had this song called When the President Talks to God and it wasn't on a record or anything and I wrote it um, after doing the, we did the, because uh, you were part of the whole Air America yeah. thing and all that, right? Yeah, I was there. So, anyway, there was that Vote for Change tour, which right. is when I was on tour with Springsteen and R.E.M. and, and John Fogarty and we did all these shows and we were trying to get Carrie and <laughs> that other guy elected mm-hmm. and, uh, and we, you know, it felt, worked really hard, kind of, my heart was in it, you know, I was young, naive, right. and, and wanted to work out, and it didn't, and I was, of course, devastated, and I remember I had just finished my record, and I was going to Europe to uh, to do a press thing, you know, you gotta go these, just these straight press tours, yeah. which is like my least favorite part of it, go and just get interviewed right. in all these different countries, and yeah that was at the height of just like the Europeans definitely hating Bush and Iraq war and everything rightfully so and he had just got reelected and I was just like man I'm gonna go and this is all they're gonna wanna talk about and I was it was I was very bummed out but Bruce being as sweet as he is like called my cell phone I'm like at the airport Springsteen? yeah to get on the plane and he's just like now Connor you go over there and you tell him there's half of us that don't believe in this and 
and there's a real America over here and we're going to fight really hard. You know, gave me this like pep talk like in the airport, which is so cool. Dude. And I was like, all right, Bruce, I'm going to do it. <laughs> so I cruised over there and I like basically on the plane and shortly after I'd landed, I, I wrote that song really quick and it's a terrible song. It's not a good song. It's just kind of like a talking blues. Like, yeah. You know, fuck George W. basically. Right. But it felt like, like as you say, like an obligation. Like I felt like I had to do something sure. to... Uh, you know, just to, it was more of a commercial for like the idea that there are, there was another there was a whole another half of, of yeah. Americans that felt the opposite. Sure, you know, and trying to like, but you got you got orders from the boss. Exactly, the boss called you before you made the trip. Exactly. So. <laughs> Do you still have that relationship with him? Uh, I mean, whenever I see him or run into him, he's always gracious and uh-huh. awesome. Like he played Omaha once, and I was there, and he like got me up on stage and stuff. So yeah, but I mean, we're not like yeah, chatting yeah, on yeah. the phone, all right, the time right, or right. Well, it's interesting because Dylan was very good at balancing all that shit and and coding it in you know sort of broader existential terms. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. he, he was he was really kind of amazing at 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 being vague and concise at the same time. You know, and yeah. I, I think you you nail that too sometimes. Like you know, it could be about anything. You're going to take that lyric. And, you know, it's going to go in, like you said before, it's going to provoke whatever it's going to provoke in you. Yeah. And there's, I think the truth of it is, is that the political and the personal will always be intertwined. Yeah. And so if, if, yeah. And so if you can tell, you know, a human story and maybe the subtext is a political issue. Yeah. But you can figure out a way to communicate that to a, right. li- to a listener without, you know, being so on the nose, which I've been you know not so successful out on some of my songs but that's just part of learning about that <laughs> yeah stuff. but you write so many so yeah. you're, you're gonna you know and you're you're growing up you're growing up in public you're growing up with your music i mean you know not everybody starts at fucking 15 and has to somehow wrangle that shit yeah i mean you're like you're a grown-ass man now i know baby 34 yeah and you got married yep what was that bullshit you had to deal with with that crazy girl yeah it was a it was a very surreal um, How did that unfold? Well, it somebody wrote a very horrible lie about me anonymously on a comment section. Yeah. And then the sort of... Blog- Accused you of rape. Yes. Some girl. You don't know her. No. Yeah. And the blogosphere... Went crazy. Went crazy and did their thing. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was... It was, you know, it was very painful. It was very... How it was did like you- the world was like upside down for... A little bit, and I just kind of... Did you detach from it? What were you instructed to do? Well, um, eventually we filed like a libel uh-huh. lawsuit. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then eventually she recanted and said that it was all a lie and it was a hoax. And, you know, it's... Anyway... It's, it's amazing how quickly that... Yeah, I mean, it taught me a lot about... about I mean, I've never... I've always sort of hated the kind of depravity of our current internet mm-hmm. culture the feeding frenzy yeah the predatory feeding yeah frenzy. and the way that people you know it's just there's zero journalistic standards to anything Nothing. so none so it's just it's basically a game of telephone yeah that goes on yeah oh yeah but like no with, one's credited yeah no and no facts are checked exactly yeah and uh so it, yeah it was it was really it was really hard and at this point i'm just kind of trying to put it in the rearview mirror i mean oh, there's still still like you know, echoes in my mind for sure. Sure. Um, but I also want to, you know, I want to put in perspective because, you know, I think about all the uh, many African-American men who yeah. are in prisons right now for 
crimes they didn't commit, you yeah. know, and for actual victims of sexual assault, who, right. that has done the greatest disservice yeah. to, right. you know, and what, you know, they say one out of four women will experience, will experience sexual assault in their lifetime. And like, yeah. that's staggering that's and crazy. fucking horrible. So there's something you know? about so, those feelings, you know, that, that, you know, falsely accused by just, yeah. I mean, does that, has that played any, into any songs? You know, I I really haven't written any songs. Like I don't, I don't. I think I'm still processing it. You know, I think. Do it's you write still... from that place? though? have you written about like outside of poetic personal experiences? Uh-huh. But you know, like real struggle. Or are you gonna? How long have you been married? Uh, it'll be four years in December. Has that informed your love songs? Uh, and... Yeah, I mean, I th- again, I think your whole I think sure. life experience is gonna play subconsciously yeah. into yeah, yeah, into yeah. that creative process. I mean definitely being married has I think made me a more patient like happier person yeah and, like less you know less rushing around sure. and, like f- like feeling like manic about you know I was just a workaholic for years and years and years you know yeah and I didn't think I you know breathed yeah, yeah. music all the time yeah and now I've gotten to the point where I realize you know, there's other important, you know, as important things gonna have a in baby? the world. <laughs> we got a puppy. Uh, yeah. Um, you're <laughs> going to have a baby. Like, you're yeah. going to have one. I don't know. You got to. <laughs> I didn't have one. It's a, I don't know, man. I, I, I mean, it's talking about all that and like technology in the future. It's, it, it's not, it scares me. You know, I don't like to. What yeah, about I, love though, Connor? You know, <laughs> sometimes you got to bring it in. I know they say that and like, well, you got to have kids and raise them right and all that. But I don't know. I just see these like, they're all kind of half robots now. Like these little like toddlers with their iPads. Go off the grid. I know. Go buy yourself a house in the hills, man. Go go to the mountains. Make make it sparse. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, what was that song that I listened to about the freedom and love that had, Um, what is that on the new record? Yep. That's a good one. Yep. Yeah, freedom's the opposite of love because you can never keep it through your paranoia. Yeah. Which I think is true. If you love someone, you're always worried about them and everything. That's so. interesting. And with freedom, you're just sort of like, uh, what does it really mean, right? Foot, foot, foot loose and fancy free. Kind of. Right? Yeah. I mean, but in a bigger sense, you know, yeah. what, what is the cost of freedom? You know, what you know, what know, what is the price of it and what is it really? Yeah. You, you know, it, it, I don't It's It's, it's a big it's, shit. Yeah, and it's a. I mean, it's definitely like alluring. Like I, like the idea of, you know, and I feel like I lived that way for a long time, where I was just, you know, not that I didn't have obligations, but I could kind of do sure. what I wanted whenever yeah. I wanted, and I didn't stay in a didn't, ta- didn't stay in a town for more than like a few weeks at yeah. a time, like li- literally for years. Yeah, and uh, and I, yeah, I guess I, I don't care to like really do that anymore. Well, yeah, the, well, the you know the the loneliness of that. Yeah. Of of not you know being anchored or 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 making those kind of commitments to yeah. to to other person and having that trust and building that stuff. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it it depletes the meaning of things. Yeah, it's like there was that song that you know the road. What is it? The road will cure. What is it? The road. Uh, the, nothing. Your, the nothing. The road cannot heal. Yeah, yeah, but you know that's weird. It, it, and that he, might not be true. That might not be a true statement. Well, no, but healing is an interesting thing because yeah. that doesn't mean that you ain't gonna be scarred, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I think it totally. holds. Totally. Well, town. I love that town's line where he says, uh, "There's nothing, nothing prettier than looking back at a town you left behind." Uh, yeah, so, and that's what I've said to myself many right, well, times. Well, let's end it there, man. It's good talking to you. Thank well, you. I, well, we're gonna play a song, right? Uh, I'd be happy to. 
Ask him why he'll tell you casually Washed up, bitter, broken, busted Backstabbed everyone he trusted Says he sees what no one else can see But if I had half his guts I'd want it Chase that fatalistic comet And die young in the dark That's poetry But it was not to be No, it was not sad, but I've never seen him cry When he comes too sure he'll apologize Find his car assess the damage Still drunk but he likes a challenge Holds on to his mind just like a kite But a good strong wind will keep you honest Fill you with some common knowledge Things when we were young we never tried I figured we had time With such a long life Money clips, alligator shoes Just one more dance, he's in that champagne room Where she moves like a chocolate fountain Pouring, spilling all around him Makes him wonder what else she can do But how bittersweet is love's illusion Feelings that cannot be proven Just trust me, you'll see my aim is true I've done this all for you I suffered long Times he tried to play it straight. 
He just worked and worked and Till his body ate But a brand new life Will lose its luster Troubles tend to find each other Call it luck Or you can call it fate But either way It's how it happens Not the life that you imagine So just go out with a bang like Hemingway Some will say you're brave Some will say Yeah. Awesome, man. Cool. Sounded great. Thank you. Thanks for doing it. My pleasure. That was nice. Guy's got a knack. Got a knack for that songwriting. Connor Oberst does. Go to WTF Pod and do all your WTF Pod needs. Get some posters. Get on the mailing list. Check my tour schedule at the calendar. Check who's been on the show. Pick up the app. Perhaps, I think we go straight into the amp with the Buddha, the uh, the 335, straight in. Distortion 335, the Buddha. Yeah, Boomer lives!